Views expressed by Casters Guild members are only the opinions of that member, and that could change from day to day. Guild members may use mature language, but that in no way means they are mature. Listener discretion is advised. Wandering around the wasteland can be lonely, but if you can find friends who you can enjoy it with, that's even better than having a big iron on your hip. And that's the spell we're casting tonight on Casters Guild. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Casters Guild. I'm your guild master and resident vault dweller, Rick Perry. And I'm your guild master, Baron Dog Meat Kane. And joining us again uh, is a very special guest. Feel free to introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Mike Stewart. I don't have a special yeah, you do. Uh, wasteland name. Do well, I? not a wasteland name. <laughs> no. <laughs> you are a guild member, though, so. Yeah, yeah. You you are you are allowed to uh, use your title while in the guild hall. You at, at this point you're you're pretty much a, a guild officer, a guild lieutenant. We haven't decided what the actual title is, but working my way up the ranks. Mm -hmm. All right, so tonight obviously we are talking post-apocalyptic media again, and let's go ahead and kick it off the same way you usually do. What is your, and this is going to be a broad one, so feel free to take your time giving me a few answers. What is your favorite piece of post-apocalyptic media? Well, uh, for me, it's got to be Planet of the Apes. Um, oh, good starting, one. Yeah, starting with, you know, I, I enjoy all nine films. I enjoy them all, but, you know, the 1968 is just a classic. And, mm -hmm. and the best part about it is you're watching a sci-fi movie and you don't realize it's post-apocalyptic till the last scene of the movie. Yep. And I, I will say, I love, I mean, obviously I love the cl classics. Obviously, you know, me. I, I really love them. The revisit to that, that they just did with Andy circus. Wait, that was Andy circus, right? Yeah. 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 I it's love that. revisit, And it's, it's like a completely different apocalypse. You know, because like obviously in the original one, it was a uh, spoiler alert. It was you know they they blew it up. Yeah, mm -hmm. was, it was uh, atomic bombs, nuclear bombs, hydrogen bombs. I can't even remember how they they described them. I don't think they really described them, anyways. And then in in the remake, the apocalypse was the virus, right? Now the Tim Burton remake that is uh, we're separate. Not, from we're, not, we're not. We're not. We're not okay, about. yeah, because that wasn't very good. <laughs> I enjoy it for its campiness, but yeah, it's, oh it's, man, yeah, sure. It's it's a it's a, it's a one shot uh, comic book. You just put it away. And <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with anything else. <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's an Elseworlds issue. Yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure because honestly, I haven't watched any of the new ones oh, after the, new the, ones. the Tim Burton oh. one. I've oh, heard they're good. Ones. The new ones, which you know, Rise, Dawn, and, and War of the Planet of the Apes, they're they're fantastic. And what I love is you get to see the main character, which is Caesar. You see him from literally his birth to his death, right. his entire lifespan, and it's yeah. it's it's an amazing arc that I think it's uh, overlooked a lot. Yeah, no, it helps. Oh, the storytelling was amazing. It was great, and and then you see what. They explained how the humans got the way they were, 
and that was great. I thought they explained that perfectly. Whoever whoever wrote the new Planet of the Apes movies did a great job of really honoring the source material, while at the same time writing a great, I would say, even standalone story in and of itself. Doing a reboot, remake, whatever, is a really precarious situation from the start. Because it's, you know it's got it's going to be a, a loved original. Otherwise, they wouldn't even bother doing a remake, right? Obviously, it's going to be something that people loved. Which means you have to do it just as good as the original. But if you just remake the original, like shot for shot, word for word, don't change much, then everybody's just like, oh, you just that's derivative. And right. like if you go too far off the source material, they're like, oh, you didn't even watch it. Like you you hated it. And then it's very difficult trying to make something that honors the source material and still be creative and different. But, you know, I applaud any movie that does. There are really great remakes and reboots out there, but they are few and far between. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what I thought was good in, in Rise of the Planet of the Apes is they did all the campy callbacks and lines. They got them all out of the way, fairly easy. <laughs> and then they could just do the story and then continue with the other movies and not have to keep calling back to the different movies. They, they, they get their damn dirty apes and mm -hmm. uh, you know, their, their other classic lines out of the way and then just move on. <laughs> right. Right. It's exactly what it is. It's a call out. It's like, hey, boom. And we did the thing. Now let's get on to our new story. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I, I think if I was to pick something, I, I, I'm going to have to be a little different. And I, I'll say uh, the Dragonlance novels. I, I think that the Dragonlance novels got me started on the road of my post-apocalyptic love while not realizing that that's exactly what it is. Because in the in the in the initial novels, the companion series, you have these you have this D and D world that has no gods, which, you know, in D&D, you always have, like, this pantheon of gods. Mm -hmm. You have a world that's running on a currency like uh, steel and iron and bronze, all things that you can make weapons and armor out of, um, which, you know, using different currency like that is, is also pretty uh, unique to post-apocalyptic, you know, I mean, look at the bottle caps in Fallout, for, for example. Right. And then, you know, once you dig into the, the history of it, you realize that there was something they called the Cataclysm, which broke the world and set everything on its head, and now everybody is, like, a couple hundred years later, still trying to, uh, and it could be longer than that, but um, but they're they're still trying to come back and exist as a as a world. So yeah, so that that would definitely be that that world that Dragonlance story set me on many paths. So I would say, even if it's not necessarily my favorite favorite, it's definitely the mm -hmm. most influential on me. Now, obviously, my favorite. If you've listened to any any number of episodes of this podcast, you know my favorite is Fallout. I mean, I'm I'm a Fallout cosplayer. I have all of the Fallout games. I've made my own Nuka Cola before, but instead of talking a bunch about that, because I talked about it a bunch in the first post-apocalyptic episode, and we plan on doing a Fallout episode this season, so just look for that. 
Um, I'm going to bring up another game that I've been replaying a lot since my last charity stream. I started replaying it from the beginning, and now I'm like on the road to 100%ing it because I forgot how much I love this game. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure if it's post-apocalyptic or pre-apocalyptic or both. The timeline is weird, but I'm going to say Brutal Legend uh, featuring Jack Black. Oh, yeah. Um, I've been having a ton of fun with that game. And when it first came out, it caught a lot of crap from critics. They were like, it doesn't know what it wants to be, and it's none of it very good. And, and man, I don't care. It's just fun. The, the premise of it is fun. They have a lot of cameos from a lot of really cool people in it. And it's just a world that I have fun playing around in. So Brutal Legend is going to be my answer for this particular question. They, they say that they, it doesn't know what it wants to be, but does it need to? How much direction does that fucking game need? So, like, the whole thing is the main game is almost like an adventure game, like an open world adventure game where you're driving around in your relic hot rod that you piece together from bits that the gods made. And um, when you get to the boss battles, it becomes an RTS. Like, it's, you know, your base is on this side and the boss's other base is on the other side of the field and you're managing units and managing resources and stuff like that. It kind of becomes a completely different game. But I, I think it works. I like it. Now, they tried to make it like multiplayer competitive as well because back in the time that that game came out, every game had to have a multiplayer. Otherwise, you couldn't release it. Like They were like, no. Like Studios were like, no, you have to put a multiplayer in this. And the multiplayer wasn't great. I mean, like, they didn't really balance out the different units and stuff like that. But, I, I mean, I don't play it for the multiplayer. I play it for the story, and I play it to have fun in that world. And yeah. I enjoy it a lot. Well, any game that's got Lemmy Killmeister as your guide has got my attention. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, 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 I did enjoy that game when it came out. I have not played it recently, but I, I did. I love that game when it came out. The cool thing is because it didn't get great reviews from critics and didn't do that well when it first came out, if you want to play it now, you can get it on a ton of different systems for really cheap. Like you can, if you've got a, a PlayStation 3 or an Xbox 360 or something like that, you can usually pick it up from GameStop pre-owned for like two or three bucks. And uh, on Steam, you can usually get it for like 99 cents. So if you want to play it, get out there and play it. I mean, like Jack Black is amazing in it. You get, like he said, you get uh, Killmeister, you get Ozzy. Um, a, a bunch of people are in it. Uh, Tim Curry uh, makes his appearance in it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's really, really good. If nothing else, you can just drive around that world with the radio on. Because your relic oh, yeah. has a radio, and you can change the stations, and like the soundtrack is just amazing. It's, that's a game I would like to see, make not remastered, but just redone. I know you can, you know, Lemmy's no longer with us, but I would love to see that world bigger, you know, with a, a, a um, Red Dead Two, you know, size of a world. Maybe like a sequel or something like that. Yeah, you know, something. I'd love to go back to that world. It was, it was really very. Uh, yeah, kind of that post-apocalyptic, but very metal. Very oh, yeah. Metal. Oh, yeah. Even, and you could tell people like, they really just love the music and love the culture around metal. You know, like, every single little bit of that game. Like, you can get to, like, certain parts in the game, and if you tilt the camera the right way, you're like, oh, that's, an, that's a famous album cover right there that they just made out of the landscape. And, yeah, it, it's great. You know, a theme for me is going to be mostly going back to movies for the most part, but uh, here we got to talk about Mad Max. Those, uh, 
probably the the most common post-apocalyptic. So, but yeah, definitely the most the most thought of. If someone brings up a post, if someone says post-apocalyptic movie, go. The Mad, yeah, Mad, Mad Max is probably their go-to, and it's probably the most homaged post-apocalyptic property. Like everybody who has like a post-apocalyptic episode in their show or if they make a nod to post-apocalyptic anything, it's usually Mad Max that they reference. I mean, they even have, I'm, I can't think of maybe right off the top of my head, but I know they have to have references in fallout, but yeah, they've done, cause they reference everything post-apocalyptic and fallout, but you know, you got your Rick and Morty episode that references Mad Max. The, one of the newest D and D supplements is basically just Mad Max in hell. <laughs> you know, it, it's it they it gets referenced everywhere. Yeah, it's a great and you know when you start with interesting thing to me is that you've got the four movies and you have the same villain or the same guy playing uh, the main villain in the first and fourth movie, but it's two completely different characters. Right. It's uh, uh, Hugh Keith Burton. I said that, right? uh, you know, he was a toe cutter in Mad Max and then in Morton Joe and Fury Run. Which, you know, he's, he was old enough and they threw enough on him makeup wise that he could be a completely different dude in, in the fourth one. Yeah, you had, you had no idea it was the same guy. I mean, I didn't, until I was told, I, there's no way I knew. I mean, no. I just... Yeah, I had no idea until you just told me. So, Un- unrecognizable. Mm hmm. Who has recently uh, left us? I think he died last year in 2020. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Or the uh, year yeah. before, last year and the year before. It was very, oh, very recently, though. Yeah. Those, you know, I, I love those those movies. Um, it does fall victim to the the Americanization of movies. Yeah. Where it's Mad Max, the first one, and then the second one in the states is the Road Warrior, where everywhere mm-hmm. else it's Mad Max Two. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know. America, we got to be different for no apparent reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many release did Mad Max even get though? Like, I, I know when I was young, the only movie I ever remembered seeing was Road Warrior. It, it did. It was more of an independent film, so it didn't get a massive release in the states. Mm-hmm. That That's probably been, why. That was probably the thinking: is that no one would know Mad Max. Doing it, you know, this is way before the well, even the era of. Uh, VHS releases, really. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about the U.S. If we see the number two on something and we haven't seen the first one, a lot of times we won't go see the second one, especially not in the box office. We might see it afterwards. So, like, if Mad Max didn't have a huge following in the U.S., then when Mad Max 2 came out, they were like, no, we're just going to call it something else. That way people actually go see it. And they, they kept it up and they went to the Thunder then. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, Tina Turner, which I don't think was a mistake. I think she did well. Oh, Ty Conn's an iconic performance. Uh, oh, yeah. The song was a little hokey for the series, little, but little, little, but yeah, you know, whatever, it works. <laughs> the the costume department for that movie deserves a big round of applause. Oh yeah, I mean oh, the, those. Somebody would When you think of post-apocalyptic, those are generally the movies in the outfits you think of. Yep. Mm-hmm. That kind of barbaric, sexy barbarian look for the ladies and, yep. you know, hulked up masses for the most part. Or sexy, thick leather barbarians. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I I, t I completely agree, and I love I love Fury Road. I love. Oh, yeah. oh my so god. Good. Everybody was like, you know, you had those people that were kind of dumping on it because you know they're it's the internet, but they did so well, and I like the idea of. Mad Max being like the post-apocalyptic Conan. Like, if you ever read the Conan books, there's really no direction those books take. There is no plot. There is no... There's no direct sequels. I mean, okay, maybe there's a couple, but um, for the most part, they're just random stories. And I love the idea of, you know, even after all these years, we have Mad Max in this situation, and we don't know why. He's just there. And shit's happening, and we fucking love it. I wish yeah. they would do it more. Just give us—I don't even care. Give me a new Mad Max every time. I don't care. It's almost like the old James Bond movies, where it's just yeah. this is James Bond. It's what he's doing today. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it has nothing yeah. to do with the past movies. Yep, yep. Or maybe they'll hang on to the same Bond and maybe do a few sequels. But you know, after about three movies, we're going to get a new Mad Max. It's going to be a new adventure. It's good times. <laughs> yeah. And that's how they can get away with naming it something entirely different instead of calling it Mad Max 2. I mean, the movie stands alone. You don't have to see any of the previous movies to see any of the current movie. You can watch any of those movies at any point in time, and the story stands alone. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah order doesn't matter. And um, I know the video games have popped up, but the Mad Max video game was, was very underrated and very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I never got to play it. It's actually still sitting in my PlayStation right now. I, I bought it, and it's sitting in there, and I just never got to play it. But just a big open world, you know, uh, Grand Theft Auto ish type mm -hmm. game. It's not the most. Uh, the world is not as full as a Grand Theft Auto, but there's a lot of things going on. It's pretty cool. Not very underrated game. You can usually find it for uh, ten, ten to twenty bucks, easy. And sometimes cheaper on the digital sales. Right, right, mm -hmm. exactly. You know, when we're talking about the Mad Max, I have to bring up one other movie that is easily a clone of that. That's Turbo Kid. Oh. <laughs> Baron, did you ever watch Turbo Kid? Yes, yes, I did. Okay, I, I know it was like pestering you for a few years to watch it. Yep, yep. It had to be at least eight years. You were, you were talking to me for eight years trying to get me to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, have you seen Turbo Kid? I haven't even ever heard of it. Well, get to work. You got <laughs> more years to get him to watch it. <laughs> Turbo Kid is is if uh, say Mad Max and um, Kickass had a baby. That's and fair. that's kind of what I'm you get with Turbo Kid. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sold. I mean, I, I love both of those properties. So yeah, I'm I'm in. Uh, some people call it uh, Mad Max on bikes. Okay. But it's, yeah. uh, it's yeah. these two young kids in, in a post-apocalyptic world, and it's very Mad Max. It's they kind of they realize they have to do a thing, so they go across the world to do the thing and meet other people. It's an Australian movie. Uh, I love Australia New Zealand cinema. They crank out some great movies, and I'll mention another one here in a little while. But uh, yeah, Turbo Kid. If no one's ever seen Turbo Kid, I believe it's still on Netflix. So. Uh, Really, it is really It is available for free to stream if you have Amazon Prime Video. Oh, perfect. Okay. So, yeah, I will I will be checking that out very soon. I I will say that that movie 
It, it, I think it, well, let's see, when did it come out? 2015. So, 2015. I, I really think that that movie, it, if it didn't inspire a bunch of uh, media from that, I, I would be surprised because there, there's, um, there's this, then there's that one, um, that one, it's kind of like a zombie TV show, or no, were they zombies or were they cannibals? But they, the kids were unaffected. How about Train to Busan or? No. Uh, uh, Matthew Broderick was in it. Oh. Uh, he was great in it. He was great in that movie, by the way. It was Daybreak. Oh, okay. Um, it's a movie called Daybreak, and it really it has that same kind of feel as Turbo Kid, except it's a zombie apocalypse kind of deal. And then, and then it also kind of reminded me of the uh, the Kipo show, The Legend of Kipo, on uh, Netflix. It's a cartoon, but it, oh no, it's Kipo and the Wonder Beast. Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beast, and it's a post apocalyptic show on Netflix. It, and it's it and it really has that feel of like they're they're kids or teenagers, and it and it's up to them to either save the world or it's them surviving or something along those lines. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed all those shows, and Turbo Kid has the same feel as all those, in different ways. Long story Speaking short, Turbo Kid. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, is there anything that's available right now that you guys have been either watching recently or know is available or right now that you would recommend in the post-apocalyptic genre? For me, yeah, Snowpiercer, the TV show. Oh, I need to watch that. <clears throat> I have I know or the movie. I'm horrible. Yeah, the, so uh, you get different experiences. The movie is fantastic. A uh, I believe it's a Japanese or Chinese made movie, but with American actors and really, really, really fun movie. TV show completely different for the most part. Uh, the first season I know you can get on HBO Max because that's how I binged it a couple weeks ago, and the second season is currently on TNT. And I'm just, I keep uh, recording it on my DVR and I'm just waiting so I can binge watch like five episodes at a time. Uh, but it's its great. It does, um, it, it really dives into the class warfare of most apocalyptic movies, but uh, it really dives into that kind of the, kind of the stuff you see that um, Walking Dead wanted to do, but never does well. They, they, they really go in that class warfare. Um, if you've not seen Snowpiercer, the, the quick, Synopsis is the world has frozen and basically all of the world is stuck on a train that is going around the world in a constant circle over and over and over. Uh, and at the, just as the train was leaving, a bunch of lower class people who weren't allowed on the train just kind of bum rush and take over the last car. So that creates this class warfare that goes throughout the whole season. But really, really fun show. Nice. Yeah, check that out. I've heard good things about both the movie and the TV show. So, two two distinct uh, experiences, so you don't have to worry about seeing one before the other. I will say, and I think that one, it was very timely that it was released when it was, um, and and one, I think a lot of people didn't have on their radar for one reason or another. I would say the stand. That's a TV show that just got released in 2020. The irony. And um, <laughs> it's decent. It's decent. I, I, um, y you know, if you've ever watched the original The Stand, 
it, it's a uh, it's an endurance trial, especially when you rent it from Blockbuster and watch it in a day. It's um, <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's pretty good. It has a great feel to it. It seems like they're being truer to the book. I, I would definitely recommend that. I say I remember the old one, and I've seen the trailers of the new one with the scary Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it does look good. I haven't seen it yet. I would say, if you haven't checked it out yet, go take a look at Ready Player One. I I like the books better than the movie, but the movie's still good if you separate it from the book. Like if you look at it as this is a different thing. This is not a remake of the books. This is its own thing. Mm-hmm. I like the movie. It's a lot of fun. And Ready Player Two recently came out as a book. I haven't read it yet, but I own it. Um, I'm going to be diving into that pretty soon. And Ernest Klein also wrote another book in between Ready Player One and Ready Player Two. Um, I'm not sure it qualifies as post-apocalyptic, but if you like Ready Player One, you'll probably like Armada. Oh, it's got a very... Yeah. I did like it's got It's got a very Last Starfighter feel yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not into reading... You can get on Audible and both Ready Player One and Armada. I don't know if Ready Player Two is available yet. I mean, I haven't checked. But Ready Player One and Armada are both there and read by Will Wheaton. And he does an excellent job on both. I've listened to both of those books after reading them on car rides. So uh, long road trips. And uh, if you haven't dove into those worlds yet, I would highly recommend it. So yeah, I, and, I, and I will I will point out that in this case, we are referring to an apocalypse as a more like an economic apocalypse and a yeah. a uh, climate change apocalypse. It's it's definitely more. Yeah, in Ready Player One, thing. the world. Yeah, in Ready Player One, the world wasn't necessarily destroyed, and then people are trying to survive. It's more the entire world was changed when something happened. And yeah, it, it's, I it's, will say. Yeah. I will say that it definitely fits more into what is called dystopian, but dystopian and post-apocalyptic both have the same kind of feel. (laughs) We (laughs) fucked things up. We're surviving it. That's it's essentially the same thing. You could even say the same thing about um, like cyberpunk, the the role-playing game, the video game that's out. It is definitely dystopian, but it's again, we fucked something up somewhere. Now we're surviving. It, it's a definitely a much prettier uh, dystopia apocalypse, um, but mm-hmm. it is one nonetheless. Yeah, I think we had this debate during the last time we visited post-apocalyptic media, and we decided that um, cyberpunk, especially like Shadowrun, we were like, that definitely Oh, fits no, yeah, Shadowrun is definitely an apocalypse, yeah. Because, you know, the ghost dance and stuff like that. Um, right. But, yeah, I think we decided that, that Cyberpunk kind of fits that bill, too, at least enough to talk about it. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, I, I love you brought up uh, Ready Player One because it's really a fun series. The book, really fun. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have the handcuffs that the movie does with right, dealing exactly. with copyright issues. Where the book can just be anything 80s, and it covers just about everything 80s. And uh, so it doesn't have that handcuff, but it, they're both are really fun. I, I've watched the, the movie recently and I enjoyed it quite a bit. 
It's not perfect, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it's fun. Yeah, they're, they're already kicking around whether to do Ready Player Two or not, and I'm sure they will. I, I'm yeah. in the uh, I'm in I'm in the same book where I have bought the book but not read it yet. So I just I look at it every night before I go to bed. <laughs> I'll get to it. My problem is I know after reading the first one that the moment I pick it up, I'm not going to put it down. Like the moment I pick it up, I'm going to read it in like a weekend if it takes me that long. So like, it's just one of those things where it's like, I have stuff to do today. I have chores that I have to get to. I'm not going to pick this up yet. I'm in exactly the same way. I'm like, yeah, I know I'm going to commit a good chunk of my day or days till I get this done. And I'm not ready to do that now. That's fair. And, you know, f- five months later, I still haven't read it. But right. I will say I did like Ready Player One enough. And I've already I've already ran through all my copies. But when Ready Player One first started becoming popular, my local bookstore was selling paperback cover copies of them for like seven bucks a piece. And I bought like three or four copies and just started handing them out to people and was like, read this book. It's really, really good. I know you'll like it. So like I've run through all of those copies, but I liked it that much to where I just picked up a bunch of extra copies so I could just be like, no, you don't have to borrow this. This is yours now. It's funny because I think I got mine in a loot crate. Yeah, that's where I got my yeah. first one was in a loot crate. And then I was like, I liked it, loved it so much. I went out and picked up a bunch of copies because like yeah, they were. It's so funny how well that worked for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, because like I, I first got it in that loot crate, and I didn't read it, because I was like, oh, well, I mean, why would this How be good could it be? It's in a loot crate. <laughs> right. No yeah. offense to loot crate. No loot crate. Yeah. I really enjoyed them, but, um, you know, a whole ass book in a uh, loot crate? Oh, this can't be great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it ended up being really good. I mean, you know, you had a lot of detractors, uh, a lot of things. There were definitely a lot of things wrong with it. There were There was some problematic stuff in it, but if you can kind of look past it and enjoy it for what it is. Right, just a fun book. Yes, that's all. That's all it is, and it's it's especially it's especially fun. And this is the, this is the big thing. You had a lot of young people that were hating on it because it was just like, oh, this is just uh, this is just for a bunch of old guys to masturbate to, and it's like, well, I mean, yeah, the, the guy that wrote it is from that time, and you know, he really enjoyed that time, and he wrote it for people his own age. It's, I mean. If you don't like it, that I'm sorry, but you know, mm-hmm. and that maybe I don't know if that's controversial of me to say, but I don't see why it would be. I, no, I, I mean the same I thing. Will, where if I go, if I go, I don't like Teen Titans Go. It's because it's not made for me. It's made for people yes. who are younger than me. There is yeah, absolutely and, nothing wrong with making a book targeted at a specific audience, right? Be and, it that's old what, or young. and that's a hell of a point too, because I do bring that up to people who say. Like, especially who are our age, and they say, oh, Teen Titan Go, they really ruined it. It's like, well, yeah, but they didn't make it for you. You know, if you really like Teen Titans, that's the best part about our modern society is that you can go and watch Teen Titans. Go back, watch Teen Titans, go get the comic books, read the comic books, and then don't watch Teen Titans Go because it's not for you. Yeah, but I don't like it. That's fair. Everything's supposed to be for me and to make me happy. And then, I've talked know. to people. I've talked to people who are like that. <laughs> and then six billion people all have that same attitude. And yeah, right. <laughs> <Here we go. laughs> yeah. Now you know you get enough people that agree and um, don't watch the show, then that just means it's a 
bad show. It doesn't matter who it's for. If nobody's watching it, then it's. But but yeah, yeah. So Ready Player One is definitely wrote for people who grew up in the eighties. And I will say, I didn't grow up in the eighties. I was born in eighty seven, so I definitely grew up in the nineties. Just because I was born in the eighties does not make me like an eighties kid or whatever. Like I don't remember the I I don't remember the ages one to three, you know. But uh, I still enjoy all that stuff, you know? And I almost feel like that puts me in a unique situation for that book because I really do connect with Wade in that situation because Wade did not grow up in the 80s. Right. Like, he is nostalgic for an era he didn't live in, and that's kind of how I feel Or was he close to having lived in? Right. So I, I, it's kind of how I feel about it when I'm reading it. It's like, I like all this stuff. And like, even the stuff I didn't know about, like, like there were a few little references where I was like, I don't know what that is. So like, I'd go back and I look it up and I'm like, well, I have something else I like now. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. even if you didn't grow up in the eighties, the book can still be for you, but it doesn't have to be for everybody. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do think it's, it's funny like especially with um, like in terms of like people our age, I think that I, I can't remember the the guy, the original like the guy who made the Oasis, whatever his oh, name. Oh, gee. I think that he was born the same year Mike was. No, I know uh, this. I know this. Gregorius, Gregorius Games, uh, something. I don't remember. Now that <laughs> now that you now that you put me on the spot, I could have like said it until like you. Yeah, said I don't start, remember who did it, and now I can't. I it starts with an H or something like that. Yeah, that's right. H keeps popping into my head for some reason, but I can't. Uh, you yeah. trying to uh, uh, expose my age here, Barry? Yep, I, I, exactly. Uh, yep. No, what I'm trying to say is that uh, Halliday. Halliday. Yeah, that's there it. it is. Halliday. And um, Gregory Games was his game company. Correct. It's just that he is oh no he's older than you he's much older than you good yeah yeah maybe his yeah. friend i think his friend was a little bit older than he was the one the, the oh. was or whatever they that i don't think they called them the was because it was obvious ripoff like no, james yeah. holiday was supposed to be steve jobs and like his friend right. was supposed to be like the wasniak but Correct. like it was very close it might yeah. even been the whiz or something like that yeah something but i mean i mean hell i was i was born in 79 and I was of a mind where I could remember things. I was old enough to remember things during all of this stuff. So, oh yeah, oh my gosh. Just just seeing some of the stuff that they wrote about, some of the stuff that was popular again in there, it was like, oh man, can I just live to that time? <laughs> can, we, can we get that, please? Because you know, like in, in, a, in, a, in a world like that, when those things get popular again, you know they're going to be like, okay, well, we're going to do it again. We're going to make new episodes of, you know, All in the Family. And, well, I guess they didn't reference All in the Family, but you know what I mean. Which, you know, in the Oasis, they could do real easily. Mm-hmm. And they probably did. Probably did. I mean, the kind of the whole message of the book is there's nothing wrong with liking nostalgia and wanting to be a part of that. As long as you're not like 
100% living in the past. As long as you're willing to like embrace the the present and and the future, you know, there's nothing wrong with dipping into nostalgia and enjoying it from time to time. Right. So like anybody who liked that book and it was purely for nostalgic purposes, which let's be honest, it was because it's nothing but a book of 100% nostalgia. There's nothing wrong with that. And like people tend to look at those kind of remakes and movies and stuff like that, that are obviously like remakes and are built to be, you know, nostalgia factories. And they're like, Oh, that's so cheap. They're just like, you know, trying to make money off of nostalgia. And it's like, you know what? I enjoy nostalgia. I wouldn't be a geek if I didn't like it. Right. right. Part of being a geek is like, you like this thing and you remember liking this thing. And like, you know, we've got enough going on in our lives where like stuff, there's plenty of stuff going on right now that doesn't make you feel good. And like, if I get this nostalgic feeling when I look at this pop figure from Back to the Future, then let me have my nostalgic feeling. Like, I'm okay with being nostalgibated every once in a while. <laughs> I don't know why that sounded so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's the uh, premise South Park did for a while with the member berries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we eat the member berries and make you, you know, remember. I remember. Remember, remember 18? I remember. <laughs> Wait, do we remember 18? I no, do. I don't remember. I don't remember 20. <laughs> uh, I will say uh, back to the uh, the newer movies and, and stuff that came out. Uh, a movie it just came out, I believe, this year, maybe the end of last year. Um, Love and Monsters. You guys have any of you seen that yet? I, I'm having a brain fart. Mm -hmm. I it... it's a, another Australian movie. And it's just about this, uh, it's a post-apocalyptic world, but monsters have taken over the world. I have not seen that one yet. I have not seen that one yet. It, it's a lot of fun. Kind of uh, some Zombieland vibes. Just kind of that loose or slash action. Um, yeah. But it's very, very post-apocalyptic. The, the, everyone, basically all the humans have to go underground because outside monsters will eat them. And uh, uh, a young boy, right at the right as the world is ending, uh, falls in love with a girl and promises to come find her. After some time, he decides to do it, so he goes on this adventure, and everyone thinks he's going to die in a few days, but he somehow survives. So it's a kind of a survival road trip movie. He stumbles across uh, Michael Rooker, who's just always fun, no matter how you see Michael Rooker live or on the movies, he's always fun. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So uh, yeah, Love and Monsters. Really, I really recommend that. And I'll just most of your places to uh, digital movies right now. Yeah, you don't get it for free right yet, but I'm sure it will here before long. Uh, it's funny because I mean, it, it. I'm definitely going to watch it, but it sounds like the plot of three different things. It, you know, it sounds like yeah. it, like I saw the cover and it looks like Zombieland, and then mm -hmm. the humans. Which I love Zombieland. Oh yeah. Uh, the humans hiding underneath uh, in the ground, or the monster, because you know if they if they don't live underground, the monsters will get them. That's essentially Kipo and the uh, and the Wonder Beast. Um, it also reminded me that particular point reminded me of Gurren Lagann. If you've ever seen that <laughs> anime, I love Gurren Lagann, but it, it it turns into a mecha anime real quick. So, but like that's the basic premise at the beginning is that like humans <laughs> are stuck underground because monsters roam above ground. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, and uh, and then the whole you know him promising go find this girl 
in the apocalypse, that is the uh, the daybreak. Uh, you know, he starts it out where he's trying to track down this girl that he's in love with. So, yeah. But whatever, they all work. So I don't see how this wouldn't work. No. Mm-hmm. And, and the monster ideas are, are just really cool. Some of them are just large animals that you know. Some are some, some completely different new things. They're not all deadly, so most are, but not all. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's really a been a, a it was a nice find uh, in this kind of depleted movie world to find something like that that was really fun. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you know, actually, now that I think about it, I think that Netflix has a brand new, they have a brand new post-apocalyptic looking movie. It's called Tribes of Europa. That looks okay. great. It's on my, uh, my to-watch list. My to-watch list. I have so many streaming things, I don't even know what my <laughs> uh, I hear you. I hey, hear you know, you. I dropped cable to save money, though. That's that's you know that's what you got to do. <laughs> now I have eight streaming services. What a, what a, what <laughs> and yet, life. people say that like you drop cable to save money, but then you pay for eight streaming services and it's being more expensive. It's not. It's still cheaper. Like I pay for all these streaming services, and it's still cheaper than cable. You're right. You're right. I a hundred percent agree with you. But um, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't give you a um you know, a yay or nay on this particular franchise, but it looked good enough for me to save. So I'm, I'm definitely going to be watching it. Yeah, maybe I'll do a little follow-up or something, do, give a little review. Well, Baron, there's one movie I, uh, a friend of ours would be disappointed if we didn't mention. That's Salute of the Jugger. Salute of the Jugger. Uh, also known as uh, Blood of Heroes. Blood Heroes. Oh, I just fucking... Ah! As soon as... I, I just had to stop and think about it for a second. <laughs> I may I may have brought that up in the last one, or it may have just been on my mind. But yes, 100% Blood of Heroes. I love that movie. I, I, I'll watch anything with uh, Rucker Howard. Let's just be honest. I'm not familiar with it. What, uh... oh. It's kind of a post-apocalyptic sports movie. Yes. <laughs> Okay. That's the easiest way to kind of... Now, yeah, and I will say it's been years since I've seen it, but it's essentially, let's just say, like football or rugby, and you are, you have a dog skull, and you're trying to get from one end to the other and put the dog skull on a spike. Essentially. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, you know, it, that's not the entire movie. You know, you obviously, it's if sure. you're a ball, sure, sure. you get kind of caught up in the in the behind the scenes bullshit that's going on. And then at the end of it, it's a big climactic, you know, it, Oh my God, it really is a post-apocalyptic sports movie, isn't it? (laughs) They have to play the star team and, you know, I think there's a trip. I don't know. It's the eighties. Real worker. Howard's kind of the, uh, the guy uh, on the redemption arc. Yeah. Yeah. Done something, you know, that kind of, didn't he cheat or something? Or he threw a game? Threw a game or something along those lines. He's, so, he's very he's very Keanu Reeves from The Replacements. Oh, yeah. It, uh, uh, and, 
And it's also got the, the story of the up and comer that he kind of takes under his wing. And yeah, yeah, you know, uh, all, it's really got all of these sports movie tropes. It really does. Oh my god! Post-apocalyptic world, you know, kind of uh, got a little bit of Mighty Ducks where they have to work their way up and then yeah, and sneak it, into the finals and. It's almost like someone wanted to do like a football movie or something like that. And they're like, this is never going to work. And they're like, oh, but it's a post-apocalyptic movie. And they use a dog skull instead of a football. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, we have the whole script. Let's just do it. <laughs> Look, for, for being a geek who doesn't love a whole lot of sports, I do really like a good sports movie. So I'm on board. Like, I'm, oh, no. I'm ready to watch it's it. It's great. I, I I mean, I'm not even. I don't even hate to say it. It's a, it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a 1989 movie, but it even it feels like it's older. Yes, I don't know if that's just supposed to talk about the feel of one. When did it come out again? 89. Oh my God! It does. It feels like you know 80. Like yeah, feels like a you know, late 70s, early 80s movie. But oh, I guess that's just the atmosphere. Oh, and the budget, probably. Yeah, it's probably late 80s, but low budget. No yeah. no offense to Rucker Hauer, but, you know, he's, you know, wasn't a big draw. He was in, he was in uh, Blade Runner, and then pretty much after that, it was just a bunch of B-movies. Kind of uh, kind of what, like, Nick Cage is doing now. He, Rucker Hauer would do anything. Yeah. Like, Nick Cage would yeah. just do anything. Yep. Well, it's funny, too, because... Um, God love you know, he's in a bunch of big time movies, but um, Samuel L. Jackson is the same way. He'll, I mean, even now, he'll do whatever. <laughs> I think he's had to stop doing that since he's worked more for Disney, and Disney's probably like, you can't do that anymore, Sam. Yeah. Like, but they're paying me. Nope, sorry. No, we have a we have a standard. I don't even think Sam's doing it for a paycheck anymore. Like when no. he, he's in these movies, he's just doing it because what's the title? All right, sounds fun. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Snakes on a Plane? Fuck it. Yeah, they, they, he made them keep the title. Snakes on the Plane was a working title. And yeah. Sam was like, if you want me in it, you gotta keep the title. And they're like, okay. This motherfucker, this motherfucker <laughs> changing the game of every movie he's in. Good mm -hmm. lord. Oh, speaking of uh, Samuel L. Jackson and post-apocalyptic movies, uh, what about that Endgame? Oh, man. Endgame. <laughs> It's, a, it's, you it's kind of a newer... You may not have heard of it. You may not. <laughs> you a don't think it's film, right? apocalyptic right, movie, right. but, you know, it totally is. Yeah, oh, I mean, and and actually, you know, Endgame and then uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Every, every Marvel movie after... <laughs> uh, which one? Hold on. Avengers... Which one was the one where the snap happened? Uh, Infinity, Infinity War. War. Yeah, Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah. Every, yeah. Every, well, every, yeah, it would be after Infinity after War. The, every, every Avengers movie in between Infinity War can we, and Endgame. Can we just can we just be real though? Even after they all got snapped back, that's a brand new fucking apocalypse. Oh yeah, that's true. That I mean we saw apocalypse. If you've been watching WandaVision, which we all know everyone's been watching WandaVision. What is that? <laughs> Um, I mean, you kind of see some of that chaos of oh, yeah. people coming back from the snap. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you guys seen uh, 
Endgame, the beginning of Endgame recently. Re did they change that? I wouldn't say recently. Uh, so they haven't changed it, but I, I watched it the other day just because I needed to kill three and a half hours. Sure, yeah, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I put it on and watched it, and you know, the beginning is very dark. You know, everyone's very disappointed. Sure. Mm -hmm. And they go to that scene where they're um, the the uh, support group scene. Yep. Mm -hmm. They're all talking about how they haven't seen each. I haven't been outside. I haven't seen people. And I'm watching. I'm like, man, that kind of hits a little bit more home now. Yeah. With oh you know, god. <laughs> you know, with you know what what we're going through currently now here, even 2021. Yeah, the crisis. Just, yeah, the crisis with just you know, you're like, ah, oh, I haven't seen people. I haven't. We don't know what yeah. to do. <laughs> like well, yeah, that movie, it hits a lot differently now than it was ever intended. Oh yeah. Well, that's what I was saying about the stand. You know, the stand, mm -hmm. the stand TV show just came out in 2020, and I'm sitting there watching it like, "Oh shit, what is happening right now? <laughs> Why did they release this this year?" <laughs> like, like it's too real. It's like you're making yeah. me feel things I didn't want to feel when I was sitting down to watch TV for escapism. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Oh man. Uh... What is this world? You know what? I'm not even going to ask. <laughs> so I, I, I would be amiss if I didn't talk about some uh, post-apocalyptic board games. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Let's go for it. And uh, well, I got a small list here. Uh, I got to start with well, one. I've only played a little bit, but man, it's really good looking. Is Grim Slingers. Uh, it's a post-apocalyptic rock, paper, scissors game, more or less. <laughs> but the artwork, okay. the artwork is fantastic. Check out, uh, if you just Google Grim Slingers, just start seeing the art. Bar Baron will absolutely recognize it as soon as you. The kind of the Western feel, but they've got like mutated animals and... Oh, yeah, I've played this. Yeah, we played it a little bit. It's oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's not the most in-depth game in the world. No, no. It it, it 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 does a good job though. I I've you know even considered just taking all the cards and just putting in a frame. There's the oh yeah, oh my gosh. I was yeah, I was thinking that when I first saw this game, it's like I I needed prints of these cards. Like let let me decorate my home in these images, please. Yeah, and then uh, one I've been playing a little bit recently. Uh, Wasteland Express Delivery Service. Your okay. uh, board, your board gamer, you're, you're maybe more familiar with uh, the Firefly board game, which is fun. This this is pretty well the exact same thing, except in post apocalyptic times, we do have to go I, pick things up and deliver other places. And I own the Firefly board game. I have not yet played it once. Oof! <laughs> if you get a good four hours of your time, I highly recommend it. Oh yeah. It's, it, and that's my only knock of the game is it's long. It's fun. Yeah, that's that's my problem is I need to get enough friends together who like Firefly, who want to spend four to eight to four to six hours playing it. So and you get and you get one of them that already knows how to play it and decides to not play just to teach you guys how to play. Yeah, that's definitely not going to happen. <laughs> I have recently played a game with 
was it five other people, and it was a eight hour affair, Jeez. six player game. I mean, now yeah, my friends, some... if we're going to get together for that long, it's almost always D and D. If we're going to be together that long, well, and it's yeah. funny too. It, it's it's not even necessarily a you know play to completion. It, there's I think there's even some modes where you just play for four turns, and whoever has the most at the end of this four turns wins. Right, and it still takes forever. Yeah, it's it's a really it's a long game, and, and Wasteland Express is kind of the same way, and it's got a little bit of, of uh, Mad Max feel, of course, because they've kind of got the uh, I don't know if they're called Reavers or whatever they are, but they they will mess you up and steal from you. But a uh, really great game, a little long, great game. Scythe Scythe was a big game two years ago, still pretty popular board game. Takes place in a futuristic post-apocalyptic Russia. They kind of have mechs and kind of a weird world, but definitely post-apocalyptic. What's it called again? Scythe. Okay. S-C-Y-T-H-E. Oh, sure. uh, I'll ask Richard, have you played Fallout Shelter, the board game? No, I really want to. I don't have any of the Fallout board games, but I do really want to get into some of those. Fallout Shelter, the board game, is a, a smaller, smaller game. It's not the, mm -hmm. the the regular Fallout board game is pretty big and small yeah. and all that stuff. Fallout Shelter is more like the app, the board game version of the app game. The app game I've played a ton of. And so it's kind of like that, but it ended up being a worker placement game. It works. It, I just thought it was just a you know quick IP cash grab and played it with some friends. And no, it works. It's a, a really... If you like the Fallout, I think you'll appreciate it more. I'm not that familiar, so I'm sure there's things I missed that was there. But uh, yeah, that's I really recommend that game. That's it. And then probably the most popular one that I can think of right now, and this may be leading to the next little thing, Dead of Winter. I love uh, Dead of Winter. Yeah. Okay, and you know, uh, the, the with the zombies, but it's all it's really more about. Just trying to stay alive. Mm -hmm. and yeah, the zombies you... are there, but it is not the focus. I, I tell people all the time, like if you like Walking Dead, like you will like to play Dead of Winter because Walking Dead is that zombie series, but zombies are not the focus of the Walking Dead, and it's the same thing with Dead of Winter. Like the zombies are there and they are a threat, but it is not the focus. Yeah, I almost think that they should do a TV show based on Dead of Winter. Now a lot yeah. of might be like, you know, oh, it's, you know, just... It's a, just Walking Dead, but it's cold, is what they're going to say. But that would be yeah. great, though. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Well, if they bring in the dog and the monkey. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> that, wasn't even, that wasn't even a question. I mean, Oh, I'm not even thinking of that. Like, you have a whole thing. You have, like, a whole series of, like, awesome characters, like, pre-written when it comes yeah. to Dead of Winter. Yeah. Like, like if you just read those character cards, like that's a whole cast of characters you can introduce over seasons. Oh, geez. That yeah, they, that's something they should definitely do. But you're right, they won't because of Walking Dead, and people are burnt out on it by now. Yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, but that, I mean, I will say it's not even necessarily um, zombies that they're burnt out on. They're just burnt mm -hmm. out on Walking Dead. They they kind of yeah. I feel like they just kind of gave up on their shit. Yeah, it started out really strong and just 
Well, they just dragged some seasons, just dragged and didn't do anything. And then, you know, 10 things happen in one episode. So, You're right. <laughs> but the, also, I think what hurts that show, um, but is by design, is that there is no focus towards the end. There's no goal to get to, no cure. There's no end of the zombies. There's no utopia. There's no, just goes on forever. Mm hmm. It's just like a never-ending car ride. <laughs> and we're never I do love the there. video games. I do love the Telltale. Oh yeah, that's that's. They're right. so good. If you follow Clementine's story and like it, oh, I I would play those games over and over again until the end of time. There's a uh, Planet of the Apes Telltale game that is is really good. Really, I didn't yeah. know they did one. Yeah. It, yeah, I, it, I knew of I knew of the Walking Dead. I knew of the Fables, and I knew of the Game of Thrones. Yeah, they did Game of Thrones. They well, don't a, forget Batman. Yeah, Batman, okay. Planet of the Apes. That's neat. I'm gonna have to look that up. Both yeah. of the Batman Telltale games. They I played both of those, and both of them threw me for a loop, especially the first one, because they really do change the story of Batman in order to surprise you in those games. Like, if you play the first one, I was making choices based off of what I knew about Batman. And then I find out, like, some things are entirely different from your standard Batman lore. And I was just like, oh, okay, this changes everything. And then from that <laughs> point on, I was I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, we're telling a whole new story? Like, I'm in. Oh, that's cool. I, I actually picked those up uh, over the holidays. They were all in some... Crazy digital deal. I think I got them both for seven bucks or something like that. It was. Mm -hmm. I have yet to play them, but. Was, yeah, so that, that, you'll, you'll really enjoy yourself. Yeah. On the tabletop side on my end, I mean, like you already brought up Dead of Winter, which I, I love that game. I'll break out that game at any opportunity if people oh, yeah. sit down and learn it and play it. I will say, if you don't already have Dead of Winter and you're thinking about picking up Dead of Winter, uh, also, go to brokentoken.com and pick up the insert for Dead of Winter because there is a lot of pieces to that game and they're not organized well in the default box. And the Broken Token insert for that game is 100% worth it. Um, you'll also get some cool, better components for some of the pieces. Yeah. It'll um, allow you to play the game more. Yes. It makes it a whole lot easier when you can just reach in and grab all the components you're supposed to. I will say Munchkin Apocalypse is my favorite version of Munchkin. Um, <laughs> I know, I know, you're still on the Marvel train, which I bought Munchkin Marvel. I own it now. I haven't played it yet. Uh, I, will, but... I will. I will say this: I love Munchkin. I love Post Apocalypse. That Post Apocalypse Munchkin can fuck straight the hell off. <laughs> you don't like it. I love the seal feature. Like you're like opening the seals, or like yeah, I, I love those. Oh, like, seriously, there was at one point I was like, you know what, I'm not going to win this game, whatever. I'm just opening up seals. I'm just fucking this game over. And that, that's what I kind of didn't like about it, because it was like, if someone's losing, they could just be like, you know what, no, screw the world. I'm, I'm screwing everything. That's kind of one of the things I like about it, because that's very that's a very post-apocalyptic attitude. It is. To, like, it have is. about it. Like, it fits the theme. But, um, but, but, but I'll say this. I'll say this, and, and since we're talking mm -hmm. about post-apocalypse... And I will talk about what I like about the post-apocalypse. The mm -hmm. thing I like about the post-apocalypse is the fact that the world has, quote-unquote, ended. 
and there's still hope. There's yeah. still life. There is still progress. There are still people hanging on and they are rebuilding. They are getting better. They're living. They're surviving. That's why I hate the road. <laughs> okay. All right. Because that movie has no hope. None. They burn the world. Nothing's growing. Everybody's dying. Except for the people who are eating other people. There is just no hope left in that place at all. I hate it. I don't like it. You should have done better, Vigo. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's what I—that's what I don't like about like things like that. And when they when they treat the apocalypse like, well, the world's ending anyways. Let's just burn it all down. And it's like, no, that's not—that's not what I subscribe. I want things. It makes it. It makes a really good villain, a really good antagonist in post-apocalyptic media, though. When you got the person who's just like, yeah, it's already over. Let's burn it all down. And then you okay. have the, the people who will fight against him mm -hmm. or them for like the uh, for, for hope. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, definitely. And then, of course, you definitely got the people who are fighting to try to bring the world back to what it was. And then you have people who have accepted that the world will never be what it was, but they're fighting for a new world like something that's different but is a whole lot better than the post-apocalyptic wasteland they're living in which brings me up to my favorite book series uh when it when it comes to post-apocalyptic media mm -hmm. and that would that would be the dies the fire saga um or the emberverse is what they call it it's great it's so good so basically in this world everything shuts off there's a big flash of light. Everybody has a pain in the base of their skull. When they wake up, electricity is shut off. Uh, explosive chemical reactions don't work. So, like, you know, you can't even do steam power. You can't do guns. You can't do electric. It's all gone. It's really interesting in the first few moments of it because they go into detail about everything that happened in the first moments afterwards. But it's a really long book series, and, and then you get to see how people kind of break off into different groups and how they survive, and it's all happening in, like, the Willamette region of Oregon. And um, they end up going to different parts of the country. What is that? That's my dog. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to keep him quiet. The more I'm keeping him quiet, the more he's growling at me. <laughs> That's fair. All right. So they all break up into different things. and um, But they do end up going to different parts of the country, too. So you get to see kind of what's going on at different parts of the country and stuff. But it all centers back on the, the Willamette region. Now, there's also a spinoff of that, which isn't necessarily post-apocalyptic for them, but there is apocalypse all around them because they... Okay, so like the island of Nantucket gets transported back to the Bronze Age. So you have everybody that was living on the modern island of Nantucket with all their modern amenities now back in the Bronze Age, and there's no way to get home. So they're now trying survive in this world now 
did these people who got transported did they also experience the thing where all technology stopped working no no so like they get transported back to the bronze age but all of their technology still works i mean in a in a way yeah like you know um as they can they can still run their generators and stuff and you know but they can run their cell phones and they could charge them but there's no satellites for them to work yeah no towers right um they they have uh modern ish boats like ships and stuff like they had nice. a schooner i think is what it was um it, you, you'd have to you have to read it it's it's really uh detailed but but anyways so you go you come to find out they're in the bronze age and and i'm not going to tell you how i know but it's set around the time of the um it's set around the time of the trojan war which given the nature of that war could be considered also very post-apocalyptic sure you know back then a city being wiped out mm -hmm. a city being wiped out back then that might as well be an apocalypse for an entire region of of the world oh yeah they're they're starting over yep but yeah so i i love that series and i just realized how many book series i have that are post-apocalyptic like I have, um, I have one called um, Empire of the East, which kind of spawned a uh, a series called the Book of Swords, uh, the Books of Swords. Um, I've heard of those. It, I well, think I've read the first one. This they may be different. I think there's another one called the Book of Swords too. Oh, okay. But this one is um, the gods come back, like the Greek gods, and they have swords that are attributed to them, mm -hmm. and each of the swords have like a magical power, which it's really neat. And then there's another one, and I was just reading up on it, and I never caught it before, but it's um, it's by Orson Scott Card, and apparently the book series, it's called The Homecoming Saga, and I guess I've never read, read the Book of Mormon, but apparently the series is patterned on the Book of Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> the actual Book of Mormon, or the, yes. the stage play written by... Uh... No. No, 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 I, uh, these books came out in the early nineties. So, oh, okay. Um, so basically it's the earth uninhabitable, uninhabitable to man. Right. So they all leave, mm -hmm. um, years later, some of them come back and okay. like, the world is like completely changed. Like there's mutants and like, and more by when I say mutants, they're like the, uh, like the teenage mutant Ninja turtle mutants. So I think mm -hmm. there's like bat people and there's like animal people and yeah, it's okay. All right. It's actually really fun and it, it 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 spans generations. So like you know, you got the first book and you have these main characters. Next book, they're like old and they die, and now you're dealing with their kids. So it, it's it's really it's really cool. I love legacy stories too. Legacy stories. Oh, yeah. I love um you know that's that's what I loved about that one Dragon Warrior game and the one Final Fantasy game, or in, mm -hmm. well, not Final Fantasy game. I'm sorry, Dragon Warrior and Fantasy Star. That's what it was. Yeah, they have like legacies that will go on, and this book really hit it. So yeah, I, ha I have a lot of, a lot of, a lot of love for these books. We don't know when you were. Yep. Say when you were uh, talking about you know your favorite part of post-apocalyptic movies, I, I think mine's the breakdown of society. That's you the part you like the best. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite part. 
but but I, it's the um, just how everything has broke down and they have to rebuild, kind of like you were saying. Yeah. But I keep thinking of movies like Escape from New York, Escape mm-hmm. from L.A., mm-hmm. uh, The Warriors, just these kind of not, you know, not dry desert post-apocalyptic movies, but these kind of <laughs> retro, retro apocalyptic movies, you know, yeah. just, you know, well, something has happened. We and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what we knew as society is not the same anymore. Right. Whereas, you know, some maybe big corporation has taken over or it's just gang warfare out there. Those are, uh, you know, that, that might be a bit of a controversial thing called the Warriors of Post Apocalyptic Movie, but that's why I always thought it was. I, I, I think it fits. That goes back to the whole dystopian and post apocalyptic. You know, is there a difference? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Uh, Warriors is definitely a, you know, a dystopian apocalypse kind of thing just like escape from la escape from new york are dystopian blade or um blade runner is dystopian again corporations have taken over or basically the warriors was they had impoverished areas whole impoverished areas of the city where the gangs were pretty much doing whatever they wanted why mm-hmm. because people fucked it up for everybody and they're surviving it it's definitely an, qualifies enough to talk about it on this episode okay, this no, it's an economic <laughs> apocalypse it's an economic yeah. apocalypse and that's that's actually probably how I'm going to refer to dystopias from now on are economic apocalypses it's a good it's a good definition yep yep that's, and, and, and that fits the same thing with ready player one and yeah. the mm-hmm. other we should be talking about mm-hmm. exactly but yeah, no, that that definitely that definitely fits the bill. I and I, I, I mean, I like. And is it like when you when you say it like that, then you you like seeing how the system has changed, like you like seeing how the system got broken down and how it has changed into a yeah. new system. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I mean, that's when you get opportunities for people to rise up and be better than they all you know than what they were or be worse sometimes yeah, whereas whereas like in this the system is the antagonist yeah yeah which i mean i think that you know a lot of us especially in this day and age are uh really attracted to the idea of the system being the antagonist and the protagonist being able to win in a fight yeah. against yeah. the system so yeah that's that's my whole thing like it's very similar to your thing where like you you want the people who have the hope for it to get better and like my thing is is the hero who comes along and like you have the initial apocalypse where the system brought about the apocalypse and then now there's a new system or the same system that's trying to run the apocalypse the way they're going to run it and then you have this hero who comes along and says fuck your system and like he wins and you know goes toward you know building a better future just because he was the one or she was the one who was brave enough to stand up and say fuck your system and right. yeah like that's that's a standard post-apocalyptic hero right there not even necessarily trying to be a hero more or less more a lot of times just trying to live their own life and goes i'm not going to do it the way you tell me to do it just because it's the way it's done in the post-apocalypse like it's i'm going to do things my way and you can't stop me legit which brings me back to kirby 
from the first. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it in the first post-apocalyptic episode. Kirby is a post-apocalyptic video game series, and Kirby's a pink puffball who looks at King Dedede and says, fuck your system, and lives his life. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we can bring it back to Kirby. We're, we're good to uh, go. Yeah. Yeah, I always come back to Kirby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, man, and speaking of Nintendo post-apocalyptic video games, uh, I know you've been, Baron, having some fun with Breath of the Wild. A little bit, yeah. And Breath of the Wild is probably the best Nintendo post-apocalyptic video game. I can't stop going back to Breath of the Wild, just in general. And just walking around the landscape of that world, you can tell Either this calamity Ganon caused the giant calamity a hundred years ago, broke mm -hmm. the world, apocalypse, and you're trying to you're trying to bring things back, and like that is a, a fun post-apocalyptic world to play in. So yeah. A few times I've tried that game, uh, it, it has not gone well. Mm -mm. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just. It's a difficult it start. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a difficult hard. start. It's it's very difficult. It's very unforgiving, especially in the beginning. You have to really spend some time with it learning how it works and getting yourself some extra hearts and stuff like that in order to make it work. But yeah, it is, it is a difficult start. Yeah, I, like I played it. I'm like, man, this game is gorgeous and doing things. And then I'm dying a lot. Mm -hmm. And I keep trying to find sticks to beat people with sticks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just, uh, I just, I haven't put the time in to get better. Once, yeah, you, I, once you get good at the mechanics, you build yourself, you find some shrines, build yourself up some hearts, and manage to stockpile pile a little bit of an arsenal, the game gets a, a whole lot easier and a whole lot more fun and more of a playground than... And a kind of... is kind of neat now that I think about it because it really does feel like a post-apocalypse. You are like really trying to manage resources in the beginning. Like You start with nothing, and you're trying right. to build something out of it. And like by the end of it, like if you you've built it up, but you know, uh, you can build your own house and build up your own arsenal and kind of build a whole city over in one little section of the map. And yeah, I mean, like it's definitely post-apocalyptic. Now I will jump in here and say that we are also doing a Zelda episode, so if we're, if we're yeah, we won't go too too far <laughs> off on it, but yeah, but it definitely fits the bill, even in theming. Now that I think about it. Because, you know, it really, you really do, I mean, we're just talking about, like, that person who's, like, hoping to build a better world. And, like, you really do feel that progression as you try to, to build yourself up and go in. You're bringing pe other people up, too. You're going and getting them and bringing them up if, if you choose to play it that way. Because um, you can skip all that in Breath of the Wild. I mean, um, and you're talking about Breath of the Wild, but, I mean, how many Zelda games are apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic like it's, it's debatable time. no i'm sorry yeah Ocarina I'm time fits the bill after you jump forward yeah, yeah. but mm -hmm. i mean you still you still yeah. gotta run it's pre-apocalypse and then post-apocalypse majora's mask mm -hmm. you're fighting through the apocalypse mm -hmm. like it, it is yeah, an apocalypse the entire the time. apocalypse <laughs> it's, it's three days away. It is like you've got three days, and then the world's going to end. Yep. Now, you know, to be fair, there's no post, but anyways. 
That's, that's the first time I've ever uh, heard Zelda explained that one. It's, it's an interesting take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's more obvious in Breath of the Wild that that it is a post-apocalyptic game, but if you look at the official Zelda timeline, the very first Legend of Zelda game is one hundred percent post-apocalyptic. Which I'll go more into the timeline on our Zelda episode if you're in, if people are interested. So go listen to that uh, once it's out. But yeah, it's it's definitely. Especially the very first Legend of Zelda is most definitely a post-apocalyptic video game. Well, I, I will say, speaking of things that weren't evident when they first came out, at least Adventure Time. Mm-hmm. Adventure Time, purely, purely uh, post-apocalyptic, and the only reason why I bring it up is that there's new episodes out of Adventure Time on HBO Max. If anybody wants to watch, um, I did not know that. Yeah, they're not pumping them out. There's like maybe two <laughs> trickling. Yeah, well, they're, they're like specials, aren't they? Yes, yes. They're not. They're yeah. They're they're much longer than the regular episodes, but not long at all. Still, but yeah. I mean, same same characters, different light. It's a little sad watching them. It's because. It, I mean, you're you're watching these things, and after having watched the finale of Adventure Time, and seeing how some of the characters are presented in this these new episodes it's it's kind of sad but you know that's okay I mean, they lived through you know it was a post-apocalyptic tv show in the first place and then they just went and lived through another apocalypse so i mean things are bound to be a little sad <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no but they're good though i i watched the couple yeah. that are out and they're and they're pretty decent um, just before you watch them, realize what you're getting into. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, be yeah. Right, be, have a box of tissues nearby. Well, also, don't expect too much out of the first couple seasons. It's 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 entertaining. Um, sure. They didn't have a lot of direction when they first started. They had some themes and stuff that they wanted to work with, and then they just mm-hmm. kind of tossed a couple things in, and then they were like, you know what? This would be a great kind of post-apocalyptic story. And that's when the story started coming together and they started making things more cohesive. So yeah, so just just watch it, stick with it. And de- definitely there 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 were definitely some tears from me. So, but it also hit on a personal level as well. Sure. What do you think of Adventure Time, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was I, I gave that show several tries. I really yeah, yeah. wanted I wanted to like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the animation, I, I don't know why. It's just, it. I don't know. There's always something about the animation style that I could not connect with. I get it. I mean, I was the same way with uh, OK Go. Um, no, no. OK Go is a band. <laughs> yes. Yes, it okay, is. OK I was going to be like, okay, it's something you don't like about them. I was going to say, yeah, it's I- something about their music videos like I can't, <laughs> I can't stand treadmills i just can't stand them um, but uh no it's um okay ko it, it's it's a fun show and it hits on everything that i should like like they reference a bunch of like 90s stuff hell jonathan davis did a voice on it from corn mm-hmm. he did a voice yeah. on there but the animation, it just didn't click with me. I didn't like it. That's, but you know, that shit happens. 
Now yeah. I think those same people are doing an Aquaman cartoon. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot I, of people like are not that, happy that with reaction. It. Well, it's the animation purely. If you if you saw OKKO, OK it's the same animation that they did in that. And there's a lot gotcha. of people. There's a lot of people who are basically like, you know, that's that's our Aquaman. Get off my lawn. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's a lot well, of the I, same same people who didn't like Teen Titans Go and correct. all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Out of that similar kind of uh, style, and I, I've only seen one still. Right. Yeah. Just. Uh, I, yeah. I look at him. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Is this another uh, you know Thundercats Go thing? Now I could be a real dick and just be like, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, you're not doing that to my Aquaman. That looks nothing like Jason Momoa. I don't want to see <laughs> this. <laughs> Just like, just like, just cut it right down the middle. It's like, well, oh, that's not what we thought you were going to say. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I want to give it a fair shot, but uh, it's not starting off strong. Yeah. You, you, you try it, you watch it, and if you don't like it, you just go, this isn't for me, and then let the people who enjoy it enjoy it. and That would be the that's, end of it. That's pretty much where I've been. We have plenty of stuff that's that's made just for us, and and more and more every day, which is why we can continue to do this podcast. Because when it comes to nerd media, there is no shortage. Right? Yeah, it's like you know what you don't like Aquaman. That's fine. They're making new episodes in the Mandalorian. Go watch those. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they're probably not making new episodes of the Mandalorian for the while. They got they got to go work on. Uh, the Book of Boba Fett and the new Obi Wan Kenobi series, and they're probably going to do something with Ahsoka at some point. I mean, how erect so, are you trying to get me right now? <laughs> I can only get so erect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm super excited. I'm super excited for that stuff. Has nothing to do with apocalypse stuff, but you know, wait, oh, do yeah. we have another Star Wars episode? Did we already do that? <laughs> we didn't, but we're we're gonna be doing it. So okay. <laughs> that and our our. Episode one this season, we did spend quite a bit of time on Mandalorian. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, that's right. Yeah, we almost, we're almost about to do it again. So let's, 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 go, let's go somewhere else. All right, back to something else we're talking about every episode this season. That giant chick from Resident Evil 8 looks awesome. Oh, Molly Milker. What? I'm sorry. Oh, wow. I blacked out for a second. What's happening? <laughs> That was funny. I was actually about to bring up another kind of apocalypse thing. However, and we'll let this be an advertisement for a future show. I was going to bring up. I was going to bring up kaiju, but oh with, yeah, with the new uh, Godzilla and King Kong, and us revisiting mm -hmm. our old shows, we could probably do a kaiju episode. So um, yeah, we should probably do that. We'll have to find somebody to be on it though. Uh, I think we. Uh... I'll see if we I touched on kaiju during. The... <laughs> <laughs> I think we kind of touched on kaiju a little bit during our cryptids episode, but I don't think we've done a whole Shut kaiju up, thing no. yet. We didn't. No, I don't yeah. think so. I'd have to go back and look back. Well, I guess, uh, we're, if, not, I guess we're, we're not revisiting it then. Oh no, no, no. we well, we probably won't redo cryptids. So like, we could always do kaiju in place of it. I'm just fucking with our guild member right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um no no we talked about we talked about godzilla in the uh in the uh post-apocalyptic movie or movie, in the post-apocalyptic post 
Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, we did talk about Those are just kind of apocalyptic movies. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. They are currently <laughs> apocalyptic. <laughs> but that is the however, thing. <laughs> however, however, the and I'm sure you'll agree with this. The reason why they're apocalyptic, and this was this was talked about a lot, is because mm -hmm. of the nature of Godzilla. How mm -hmm. how he was created. And the idea mm -hmm. is like, you know, the bombs that hit Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Mm -hmm created this monstrosity that came out uh, which was and 100 percent an apocalypse for oh uh, yes yes yeah well I, I mean i i would venture to say it was an apocalypse overall for everybody because that really just those the yeah. dropping of those bombs changed everything around the world mm -hmm. very true it's just so very happened true. that many unfortunate souls were lost that day because of that change so mm -hmm. And Godzilla, in general, was definitely meant to represent, you know, the the nuclear terror. So, mm -hmm. at least for the first two movies. Yes. Then he, right, then he right. got a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I heard he's going to be in the uh, Godzilla King Kong movie. He better. <laughs> I want everybody. We need to throw Godzuki in there. Yeah, I want Son of Godzilla, I want Godzuki, I want the adopted ah, kid. Ah, I want, a, <laughs> I want Hell, let's throw Ultraman in there just because. Yeah, the Ultraman, Jet Jack, wireless, throw them all in. I, I, I want shit. <laughs> just, 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 give me, just give me two hours of giant things throwing buildings over. and but Throw the Power Rangers in there too, but they get squished like right now. Yeah, that, well, you know, they get the Zords, <laughs> that's fine. Okay, fair. <laughs> I, I don't even need a plot. I just need just a Royal Rumble style of kaiju just for it, three okay, hours. Yeah. Just... <laughs> and that's what I, okay, you know what? Fuck it. We're talking about it. And that's what I don't get about that first fucking Godzilla movie. People getting upset. Like, like they're, they're confused as why we were upset when they kept putting the humans in there. It's like, we don't want to fucking see them. We want to see giant monsters mm -hmm. beating their faces off. We don't want to see friggin' uh, Eleven from Stranger Things running around the city. We don't yeah. want that. We want more King Ghidorah. Pacific Rim got it, I think, when that movie came out. Like that oh, story was God, yeah. that story was straight up garbage, and like the the, the <laughs> human parts were garbage. But it didn't matter because the oh. kaiju on Mecha Action was awesome in that movie and it made up for everything else like who cares if the story wasn't great in pacific rim <laughs> like i just want to watch that robot grow a giant sword arm and cut cut through that kaiju am i the only one that am i the only one that wants a movie based on ron perlman's character in that movie no you're not the only one. no oh, okay good definitely not the only one i will say <laughs> pacific rim 2 did did the show that story mattered a little bit? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pacific Rim Two. <laughs> yeah. You know, just give me a simple story with robots and yeah. monsters. Yeah. Robots and monsters. At least make it cohesive. But like you know, that's 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 all we need. Yeah, I mean, that's even debatable. <laughs> they could start that motherfucker out like. This year is the big kaiju battle. It's taking place right over here. Okay, go. <laughs> I, think I'd be fine. I think I'd be fine. 
especially with the effects we have nowadays. Geez, it wouldn't even be that hard to do. Throw a big enough budget at it. Uh, yeah. I, I, I kid you not. I've watched the trailer for King Kong versus Godzilla probably 25, 30 times. And it's just so cool. There's so much of it I like. And uh, I, I love the part where Godzilla kind of gets his uh, lethal weapon moment jumping off the aircraft carrier and the mm -hmm. aircraft carrier explodes behind him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, I just want this to just be. I don't need a big story. I don't. I barely uh, care why Godzilla's a angry. <laughs> I will. I will say that of all the movies they should have let Michael Bay direct, it's probably that one. You want that Godzilla yeah. that camera spin around Godzilla? Fuck Michael it. Bay yeah. spin. Why not? Why not? Uh -huh. Mega Fox, Michael Bay. Michael Bay explosions. Like you, we want it all. Yeah. Give the people what they want. Take them away from Transformers and stick them on this. We'll be happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely kaiju and monsters. That's uh, that's my wheelhouse. That's hey, I'm, I am planning on my goal is for March, just uh, and I put them in order all of the King Kong and Godzilla movies. Watch one a day through the month of March. Oh, you you narrowed it down. Uh, it's the last time I saw that you were doing just big monster movies, you've narrowed it down to Godzilla and King Kong. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. For the, and it's you know it's primarily King Kong. There's only seven King or primary Godzilla. There's only seven King Kong movies. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I got to fill those other three weeks with something. Like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, try to pick the best Godzillas, and sometimes that's harder than <laughs> it's easier said than done. <laughs> Some of them get pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and then Shin Godzilla pops up and changes the oh. game. Oh, I love Shin Godzilla. That's it's very reminiscent of the original Godzilla, except mm -hmm. instead, of, instead of a nuclear war, it's all about the bureaucracy of Japan. Oh, so the emperor awoke him. Yes. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's like five things wrong with what you just said. <laughs> at least. At least. Which uh, Kind of this kind of brings us into something that like we kind of touched on a little bit during the first time we talked about post-apocalyptic, and that's how countries, how other countries touch um, or deal with post-apocalyptic media versus how the U.S. does and things like that. And if you look at like Japanese post-apocalyptic media, it is wholly different than American post-apocalyptic media. You know, like I was talking about earlier, you have. I, one of my favorite animes is Gurren Lagann, and it all starts with this civilization of, of humans who are all underground. They dig tunnels every day in order to expand their cities underground because the beast men are up on the surface and they need to stay away from them. And then the main character finds this like small mecha. And it's got like drills for hands. And like he's like, I've been digging these tunnels. It's like perfectly fits me. And then like his his best friend encourages him, uh, which is where the, the famous line, don't believe in yourself, believe in the me that believes in you. And uh, he encourages him is like, you need to take this and we need to drill to the surface. Your drill is one that shall pierce the heavens. And uh 
they drill to the surface and they find out, you know, about the actual, you know, beast men versus human war that's going on above in the surface. And they find all these other mecha and they use it to fight the beast men. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's very much action comedy, but, you know, very shonen. Now, I will say this, when it, when it comes to uh, Japanese animation and the apocalypse, it's generally not treated that way. No, you're absolutely right. It's, it's always, there's some kind of climate change disaster. Everybody's living in one gigantic city called Mega Tokyo, and then it just hops off from there. Like Akira. Yeah. That's, that's essentially Akira. That's essentially Cowboy Bebop. That's essentially yep. uh, Ghost in the Shell. All of those movies, TV shows, could have been set in the same fucking world. <laughs> that's true. That's um, true. And, it, and that just falls back into the economic apocalypse because, again, we fucked some shit up because we were all going after money and now we all have to live, you know, in the same house. And that's Guild Train approved. <laughs> that is Guild Train approved. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, Japan is one of the ones to make, like, actual apocalypse movies with, like, Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, my gosh. Stuff like why? that. Why do you do this to me? <laughs> well, you don't have to go watch it. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to. You, 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 <laughs> somehow, you somehow bring it up in every podcast. I don't know how you do it, but you always bring it up, <laughs> and I'm not going to watch it. I'm serious. Anybody listening to this now, go through every single one of our podcasts, listen them front to back, and find the Grave of Fireflies reference. <laughs> not this is not Wait a minute. Way to increase our listen time there, Bear. They're <laughs> like, damn it, he got us. Or either that or you'll have like the real conspiracy theorist listeners who are like, remember when he talks about uh, Baby Yoda in this episode? It's actually a Grave of the Fireflies reference because... <laughs> yep. Yep. I know if you're not liking it, Bear, and I'm pretty sure I, I don't waste my time um well it, it's not necessarily i would not i don't like it, it it's, it's an I excellent don't film it. i don't want to watch it because it will leave me an emotional wreck yeah it is an excellent film but because of the subject matter if you're the kind of person who cries at movies or gets emotionally attached to characters during movies you will this will absolutely happen to you and you will be a sobbing mess by the end of the movie because it is all too real. Like it is, Grave of the Fireflies is an animated movie made by Studio Ghibli, and it's about, without giving away too many spoilers, it's about an older brother trying to take care of his younger sister in the middle of World War II while there's bombs dropping in Japan and things like that. And like he's just trying to help her survive, and they're just trying to survive. And it's just all too real, and like the connection, it it's way too sad. Like it, it is the whole point of that movie is to make you empathize with these characters and make you feel their pain. So if that's not something you'd be into when watching a movie, it's not like I've already told Baron, like don't watch this movie. It's not for you. Like you're not gonna have a good time watching this movie. But it is an excellent film. Is this a Last of Us moment? Kind of. I know what he's talking about. Yes, it is. Yeah. 
Uh, well, uh, kind kind of, not a yeah. father daughter thing though. Right. Yeah. Okay. But yes, yes, very very much yes. But uh, what's this, you know another post apocalyptic game we kind of skipped over? But yeah, Last of Us, man, the first one anyway. I, I mean, I, honestly, I've I've heard the ire of the second one, and I think that it's dumb. I think that people being mad for what they say they're being mad about is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it's not it's not a great thing to be mad about. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I didn't I didn't enjoy the first one. It's not my yeah. play style. I didn't enjoy it. Um, Me either. I've read up on the story. It's cool. I've read up on the story on the second one. It's cool. I've heard what people are bitching about and what they were sending people death threats for. And yeah. Ridiculous. It's yeah. ridiculous. I will say I played Last of Us. I, it's not one of my favorite games. I, I don't like love it to the ends of the earth like some people do. But I, there's two things I will give it is that like it is truly a cinematic experience that oh you gosh. have to play to actually 100% absorb. The idea of the zombies are great. Yeah. And number two, I've played a lot of zombie games. I've played a lot of post-apocalyptic games, and I'm desensitized to a lot of stuff. But Last of Us legitimately scared me. Like, yeah. I felt fear when playing that game. Like, if you're walking through a tunnel or something like that, and you hear that clicker sound mm -hmm. echo off the walls. Like I did actual fear in my gut from playing a video game, which not many video games can elicit that feeling from me. And last of us definitely did mm -hmm. like that sound. It just does something. It's just, it's, it's primal, you know? So I, I will say that that, that game is definitely iconic and it definitely should be mentioned. And, and, but yeah, at the same time, it's like, you guys, if you're listening to this and you're one of those people that are hating on it because of those reasons that I'm not going to mention because, you know, there could be people out there wanting to play the game. Really? Fuck you. Really? Get over yourself. Quit crying like a baby. I, I will use this small platform to tell you that you are a child. Now, if that is the story they chose to tell and that's the way they chose to tell it, it's still a good story, in my opinion. It's still a good way to tell it. It might not be the story you wanted told, but you know what? If you want to tell a story, go write a book. Go make yeah. your own game. I, I think it's a lot of it's a lot of people whose uh, <coughs> ship sank. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think that's it primarily. It's, it's what they wanted to happen didn't happen. Exactly. Which is yeah. Better the, uh, a lot of thing that happened with the the, the Star Wars. Yeah, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. People did the story they wanted. So, mm -hmm. yeah, go if you if you are if you think you're that much better of a storyteller, go write a book, go make a movie, go make a game, and you know if it is that good, uh, you'll get my money. I'm sorry, uh, you know I, I know I'm I'm coming at you aggressively right now, but if you make a story that good, you'll get my money. But until then, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. It, yeah. It. Uh, ugh. I don't get people. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, hell, that's a, that's a whole genre. That, I mean, I know we talked about it a little bit, but we I think we talked a lot about zombies in the first one. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad that that genre is starting to die off a little bit. 
It, yeah, it, zombie mania is definitely over. Wow, wow, wow! Did that hang on though? You just I, cursed oh, yeah. it. You just cursed it. It's coming back. <laughs> the thing is, <laughs> zombie mania hit hard. They had a zombie movie of every genre. They even did the zombie romance movie in like what was it? Warm bodies. Yeah, well, um, you know, it was Shakespeare, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. But still, but yeah, it, did, yeah, it didn't no. need to be zombie. No, you're right. I mean, it was. I I still watched it. And it was still fun. I did, I did too. It, it, it was. Yeah, it was great. But you know, I didn't. Why? Why? Why can't we get a good werewolf apocalypse movie? I mean, come on. You're right. It wouldn't work. <laughs> well, we got. But I mean, they hit us hard with werewolves for for a while. But like, it didn't. It didn't last as long. Yeah, I think like, it, they know, tried it. They tried it, and it didn't catch on as hard as zombies did. And I no, think that's because not. zombies are primal in our consciousness it's yeah uh, with everything with all the i mean that's why they were so popular with george romero because you know we felt that we don't know we didn't know why we felt that but we felt that and mm -hmm. i mean we're not we're not really scared of werewolves anymore because you know we don't live in places where the you know once it goes nighttime it's super dangerous and there's wolves outside you know, mm -hmm. it's not scary. What we are scared about is I would be scared of wolf. Oh, oh I mean but I mean it's nighttime right now. You're not scared of wolf right now. Just a base level scare. Right. Base yeah, level, yeah, yeah, base yeah. Level, base level fear. Just yeah. My normal four. It's not but, something that's in the back of your mind constantly, like you know, like right. it was when werewolves were invented. Right. But like now, you know, we are, I mean, hell, right now we're literally afraid of hordes of people. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we we kind of sit back and we're taken aback by the mass consumerism of the world. We, you know, you, I say this and you have uh, a horde of Funko Pops behind you. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know, it's true. I, I'm, I'm talking on this brand new computer with, you know, Steam and games on the computer. You know, we, you know, we're all victims of the mass consumerism and, you know, we are just wondering how long it's going to take before it consumes us. Right. Zomb zombies are in our psyche. It, it's and again, we don't know why, but if you really stop and think about why are zombies scary, boom. Mm -hmm. There it is. And that's, I think one of the reasons that's that's why original zombies worked really that well and then when they started to dig into that deeper uh it's one of the reasons walking dead was so successful is it was less about the zombies and more the people who were living in mm -hmm. yeah that zombie apocalypse and that's why it hit so hard because it really it was a whole lot less metaphorical I mean, it's still metaphorical, but like you know, not no, as far detached. I it's, guess it's the slow zombies. The reason why fast zombies. I mean, they caught on for a little bit. I mean, they were zombies. I mean, they're right? scary. And you know what I mean? But but it's that's because like a uh, fast zombies are more monsters. They're more phys. Mm -hmm. They're more a physical terror. Yep. Whereas the slow zombies are a psychological terror. Yep. And. Mm -hmm. And that and that's where it kind of fucks with people because a physical terror can be beaten, a physical mm -hmm. terror can be um, overcome. Overcome a psychological mm -hmm. terror, even after it's gone, it's still fucking with your head a little bit. 
Yeah, those slow zombies, like you can, if you've got enough ammunition, you can take out quite a few of them, but eventually, yeah, going to overrun you. It's yeah, going to have, eventually, there's going to be enough of them, and there's going to be nothing you can do about it. You can try and fight and try as hard as you can. Eventually, you're going to be exhausted, and it's just going to overtake you. And they're just not going to stop. They can't stop. They won't stop. Yep. And then if you see a zombie, somebody you knew and loved, that mm -hmm. messes with your head as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, which I I think that, you know, they touched on a little bit in zombie movies, but they didn't touch on it enough. Yeah. I, I think that that would have been a good, I mean, I guess it would have been ended up being a cliche. And I mean, I'm yeah. glad, I guess I'm glad that a lot of people didn't do it. But I mean, I'm having a hard time remembering any movie right. where they, you know, had a, a character that saw their loved one walking in the horde. Night of the uh, Living Dead really was the first one, and but that was the little girl, little, though, right? Right, right. Well, in the the brother. Oh, you're right. You're the right. Brother. And Walking Dead definitely did it. I mean, like uh, the one of the guys in the first season, like uh, he saw his wife every day. And... Oh shit! Yeah, when yeah. So yeah, it's it's like things uh, like that. It's like, what would you do? Yeah. And then that's, and I think that's what it is. It, it, it really gets in your head with those "what would you do" questions. And they uh, they touch on that. Really, I mean, like it's it's really. It, I don't know if it's they did it better or worse or like, but I know it really got me in the Walking Dead Telltale video games. They they touch. I won't say the exact moments because I know there's a lot of people out there who haven't played those games who like might still want to, and it is kind of spoilery. And I know we normally just go ahead and do spoilers on this podcast, but I'm not going to do this one, but like right, the right, walking right. dead telltale video game, the first one that is a, a big point in that game. And, uh, it's, yeah, it, it, it really made me, it, it got an emotional response out of me. Yeah. And that's what they're, that's, and that's what they're for. You know, like I said, the slow zombies, they're there for the, you know, emotional, psychological torture, essentially. <laughs> yeah. You know, they uh, recently released a Night of the Living Dead zombie side version. Really? Yeah. And one of the gimmicks is you start out not powerful at all, then you'll turn into uh, zombie side mode of the characters in the movie. But as you turn over cards, if you ever uh, find one of your relatives, you turn back to Romero mode which is mm. really basic and you can't do much. So that's a big part of the game is seeing your family, you you lose your will to fight, basically. That's a cool wow. mechanic. Yeah. yeah. It's my favorite zombie side. It, it I've only played quickly. one, and zombie side is great. I love zombie side, but it was super expensive when it first came out. It still is. <laughs> <laughs> still is. Oh, man. But yeah, but I... I, I Mm -hmm. uh, go ahead. No, I do like Zombie Side. That's all I was gonna say. But yeah, that was. A, I think that was a good revisit. Uh, I, I think these revisits are, are are doing well. We are getting to uh, touch upon things that we didn't get to last time, and things that have happened in between these times. I'm always gonna love talking about the post-apocalyptic genre. It's um, very near and dear to me. One of the first genres I ever liked um, getting into when I was getting into the uh, geek 
world. And um, I would love to hear anybody's opinions, what you love, recommend, you know, I'm going to use this, I'm going to use this time to tell you, if you're listening to this, give me recommendations on what to read, what to consume as per post-apocalyptic media, because again, it's, it's, it's my favorite and I want more. Thanks you both so very much for tuning in to this episode of the Casters Guild. Mike, once again, thanks for being on. I'm pretty sure we answered this question uh, last time you were on, but if people like what you had to say here, can they find you anywhere on the internet? Uh, they can. You can find me on Twitter at Board Game Goon. And I put some videos of board, or not videos, but just pictures of board games and different things I'm playing. And, uh, and, I, and think, I will say he comes with my uh, personal endorsement uh, when it comes to uh, game knowledge and recommendation. And I will say maybe uh, maybe look for him coming soon on our YouTube channel. Maybe you might yeah, see maybe. some of Mike on the mm -hmm. Caster's Guild YouTube channel. Find us on the socials. Give us your recommendations and any feedback you have at castersguild at gmail.com. And we will see you in the next one. Bye. 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 Good luck surviving. More buzz. <laughs>